the freedom knocking at the door. They want your freedom, it's against the law. get into it. So very much for coming. Can we please get a massive round of applause for Hannah and Calvin from Counterspin Media. Yay, we made it. Westport, you're looking amazing. Wasn't quite sure if uh, this whole thing was going to come together, but uh, you've pulled it out of the bag. So um, thank you so much for waiting while we got our tech sorted. And um, a huge, massive thanks to Emma and Shane uh, from the Pines. We understand that they've been very good to a lot of you um, during the last couple of years. Yep, brilliant. And uh, hopefully, you know, they continue to get a lot of support because as many businesses around the country uh, who did the right thing, they are feeling it. So we do need to support um, these brave people. Because apparently if you're associated with Counterspin Media, you might be a white supremacist or some sort of neo-Nazi or something. Some sort of radical anyway. Mind yeah. you, looking around the rooms, some pretty suspect people here. <laughs> but as you can see, no black jacket today because I'm starting to get the West Coast feel. <laughs> I see a few of you got these types of shirts. I'm feeling right at home. Yeah, so um, we had a reporter from The Stuff reach out to us yesterday wanting comment. And of course we were travelling up the west coast and the reception was really bad and then the roads were closed and uh, so we didn't quite get back to her in time for comment but we said we'll be in Nelson because she's a Nelson Tasman reporter so we said we're in Nelson tomorrow so we'd happily come and have a sit down with her um, and of which we would tape of course and she's she's now um, put out a, a story Calvin what does it say Battle on fringes as alternative media operator calls out far-right influences. I didn't even know where the hell centre is. I don't know what the fuck far-right is. Um, and I didn't know we were influencers. I don't really want to be one of those. That's right. They've uh, quoted from people from, like Ben Vigin, I roll, uh, Byron C. Clark, and of course Kate Hanna, Kate Hanna from the Disinformation Project, who are the biggest purveyors of misinformation on the net. And anyone telling the truth is bastardised in the media and all other forums. So... I encourage people, though, to read this rubbish and then compare that with your experience with us and the facts and evidence we bring as opposed to their spin, and then you'll have your answers. And, of course, they've set up the Ministry uh, for Research Excellence, which is apparently going to be countering any um, violence and extremism. And, of course, uh, that's for people like us, people like you guys. It's basically the anti-truth uh, ministry now, so it's a way that they can shut down anybody who actually wants to stand and tell the truth. And notice they don't have a ministry for combating gang violence um, with all the shootings in Auckland recently. That's okay. We'll just kind of try and um, mitigate that by getting rid of gang patches on um, on motorbikes. But uh, for anyone who wants to tell the truth, we'll set up a whole new department and we'll put millions of taxpayer dollars into it so that we can keep everyone else in the dark. Yeah, subjugated, on your knees. So you guys aren't crazy. Everything, you have a look at the buntings out there that we've been collecting as we've been going around the country where people are sharing the deaths, their suicides, what well, they call accidental um, deaths now. Um, the carnage from mandates, loss of jobs, of businesses, it's real. And of course the attack on the farming community is a kick in the guts. 
the oil industry, of course, now with the Marsden mothballed, hoping, and Brad Flutie out there doing a good job trying to get it reinstated. Uh, you should actually be building one down here on the west coast because you've got plenty of oil here. You could be energy independent for years. In fact, keep thinking about cutting that cable. Let them, like, you know, sandy time roundup would be a good just to get the weed sorted up there. Um, they also have talked about us because I use things like Parliament is Parasite Palace and it needs to be fumigated. Now they use that and say, advocating violence. It's I mean, a metaphor, people. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Ex exactly. Any, they'll, they'll grab anything you say, they will weaponize it and they put it straight out in the press with the sensational headings. And for, of course, for the brain dead minions, they lap this stuff up, they then get on, become digital noise and keyboard warriors, and they bust a cap in the ass, you know what I mean? Away they go. It's just ridiculous what we're seeing. Here we are trying to save lives, and these people are hell-bent on destroying them. So if we're going to take the attacks for that, I'm more than happy to keep taking them, because if I can save one or two people, that's what counts. So yeah, please. Um, if you haven't already, um, see the girls afterwards and tell us your story. If you've been uh, mandated out of a job or you've lost freedom in some way or you know of a loved one that's um, passed away because of this experimental jab or they've had an injury, um, we've also been filming for a documentary. So if anybody's got a story and they want to tell us that, so we're really wanting to get a really good picture of all the COVID casualties in this country because yeah, the mainstream media is just covering it up and uh, you may have heard a recent interview I had with Michael Laws on the platform um, basically trying to discredit the fact that there is a cover-up going on but when you talk to people like Linda Wharton or the doctors at New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out with Science um, you know all these stories that we've been taking around uh, with us are kind That's of getting, a fraction yeah they're getting dismissed as you know people with anxiety or people who just have no idea what they're talking about but uh, at the moment, on the People's Register, there is over 500 people that have died within a very short period of time from getting that vaccine. They're very uh, strict on how they collect their data. They're very thorough. Um, it's not just anyone who messages them gets added to it. They're very, um, she's got a really big team helping her. And also, of course, if you go onto the CALM website here in New Zealand, which, by the way, it's not mandatory for medical professionals to register any adverse reactions from this vaccine. So, and they were already saying there's over 50,000. And yeah, okay, some of them might just be a sore arm or a headache, but that's going right to the worst, which is obviously death. And all the new myocarditis, pericarditis that's now being put down as long COVID, um, the way that they're setting all this up is that there's all these new unexplained sudden adult death uh, Syndrome. Yeah. So that's this new thing that they've given a name. But of course anyone with half a brain can realise that it's this vaccine that's been the new thing that's been introduced in the last 18 months that's having a massive, massive impact. And bearing in mind the CALM website, under their own investigation, has stated they only capture 29 to 5% of all of these reportings. So you extrapolate that out, we're in a whole parachute here. We really are. The one good thing that came out of that Laws interview was that he also acknowledged that the mandates were wrong and that forcing people to get uh, medical treatment um, with negative consequences is wrong. So all the, you know, how many of you went to Wellington? Did any of you make it up there for the protests? Awesome. And what about Picton? Yes, 
Yep, awesome. There you go. So we met some of you down in Picton, and this lovely couple here uh, turned up with a trailer, and they'd made a massive billboard with Counterspin Media on it, and that was very, very cool to see. Um, So it's great to see this whole tour has been very much um, by the people for the people. You guys are the ones that are actually making this happen. We don't have uh, Steve Bannon on board or Alex Jones or any other um, CCP funders so um if you haven't already please do uh, consider making a donation on They're your way busy out funding jacinda <laughs> yeah exactly um and what else yeah if you haven't already signed up at the website countersmanmedia.com please do that uh we will get a newsletter going we've already they've already taken us off um instagram and we're heavily shadow banned on facebook um, and yeah, they're just they're just wanting to stop the truth from coming out. So and now actually that we should give the update from Greymouth. Yeah. So the Greymouth community um, rallied and they managed to get the RSA hall as a private function. Uh, we and we hired it, and now um, thankfully they didn't bow to the pressure. But now they are getting a lot of pushback from that, and they are basically saying. That we, but by the fact that we said it was at the hall at the RSA, we were trying to imply that the RSA was behind us and supporting us. No, we've never said that. The RSA does not endorse Counterspin. Or does but the RSA down well should endorse Counterspin because we're trying to do the job that they've failed at. Let's face it. Those people that they represent gave their lives and others injured and families torn apart because they wanted to stop from the back door what these pricks are letting in the front. And it's going on and on. A lot of people are losing their lives. This is a real war with real deaths, real carnage. And for anyone in that organisation to turn around and try to stop someone standing up and saving lives, you're a disgrace. And I'm willing to talk to you face to face and tell you that too, you Muppets. Uh, So apparently we've got a lawsuit coming against us because apparently we've... um the person who uh, designed this logo for us, apparently that soldier is copyrighted. So um, we'll see. They'll use anything, won't they, to try and stop the truth coming out. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's got, me. So we've got the lawsuit. We've got the media coming after us. What else? Well, every government agency you can think of, all the alphabet soups. Yeah, the police know all about what we're doing. They were apparently there was a mass email sent out around to all the stations to let them know that we were coming. But I will say that we've had no problems with the police along the way. They've and actually, yeah, they've actually been pretty good. We've had like, yeah. some police in some of our um, events who have spoken to us afterwards. There's a lot of good cops out there. Unfortunately, they're not occupying the positions of power. Scum rises to the top, and we've got a whole lot of muppets in charge that we need to get rid of. The whole top. What did Amy Benjamin say? The whole top of 15% of academia, the, well, all of government, um, police, the medical council, all those people need to be gone. They all need to be up on charges, without a doubt. Treason. Absolutely. So um, we've got a few speakers this afternoon for you all, and um, I think we should. our first one we should bring on is to... Um, Oh, yes, so actually before we do that, yes, Dana's just reminded us, the poll, because we like to do this poll everywhere we go. So we ask you all, the audience, a few questions, and uh, you just raise one or two hands depending on the question. So the first question is, how many of you know somebody who has been uh, damaged or had an adverse reaction from the vaccine? Jab. 
jab. This is just injury at this point. This is just an injury. Okay, so that put your hand, put your second hand up. Keep your, that hand up. Put your second hand up if you know more than one person. Whoa. Yeah. So that's pretty much most of you in this room know at least one or two people. And this is indicative across the country. Yeah. So regardless of what mainstream media tells you, the real polls here because it's real people putting their hands up. This isn't like I keep saying, Colmar Brunton, where they'll just massage it or talk to themselves, interview their own typewriter and just punch up some numbers, much like they did with, you know, the so-called COVID-19, which is a brand name like Chanel Number no. 5 or um, Mount Blanc Explorer, which I'm wearing, by the way. Thanks, uh, Lena Rob Hammond. Um, no, we're not sponsored by them, by the way. <laughs> nah, but, but they, um, they top people up in Blenheim there. They uh, looked after us and gave us a place to stay and run the um, programs for them for a while, so it was awesome. So the second question is, how many of you know somebody who has died within a short period of time of getting this bioweapon? I call it a bioweapon. Well. Yeah. So quite a few of you. Two. Two people. Wow. Another two yep. over there. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, yep. And so um, how many of you know somebody who died of COVID-19? Okay, one. We've got one person. Anyone else? Two. There's someone else down the back. Okay. Two people. Now, uh, how many of you actually caught COVID-19 and you managed to live well, the... <laughs> Live to tell the tale. Yeah, it's the, COVID, it's the, it's the well, flu. Just, what just they what call... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's no difference. Did you test positive <clears throat> to a rat test or a PCR test? Put your hand up. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Exactly. Yes, that's right. You wouldn't... <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much indicative of what's been happening around the country. How many of you have been mandated out of a job, out of education... Yeah, a number of you. It's very, very sad. Businesses suffered because of this rubbish? And, and yeah, yep, <laughs> the pines. And how many of you um, were not allowed to go and see certain members of your family or you've had um, kind of fallouts with family or friends? Jeez, yeah. Yeah, that, I think as you start asking, they start going up. Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much the majority of people we've been seeing have been treated like lepers, and that's what the far left don't understand is that you guys are the it's new. It's almost like a bloody auction, isn't it? <laughs> but in a way, you guys are the new minority, and apparently you have no rights, and apparently you don't matter, and uh, you are the river of filth. And if if this was a room full of transgender people, or if this was a room full of black people or a room full of even women who felt in any way marginalised by society, you, that would be front page news. All these thousands of people that we're seeing have been marginalised, depressed, sad, angry. After going to Wellington and not one single politician coming out to speak with them. Yeah. That is unheard of. But we're all supposed to just imagine that it's not happening and you guys have all just got to get on with it and suck it up, basically. Take one for the team. And... Um, it's never before happened in history. No, no, no. no, no I'm agreeing. Well, I mean, maybe it has. Maybe 1930s Germany. Maybe that's a comparison. But they don't want to actually even see that. That, that people had to literally, under the dead of night, go and visit their friends and make sure the neighbours didn't see them sneaking into their house during lockdown. Did anybody feel like that? Churches. Some churches were meeting under lockdown 
in the middle of the night because you weren't allowed to worship and well, you know have you practice your faith anymore but most institutionalized religious um places caved they caved mm. like lanced boils and this is all for a so-called um virus that 99.8 percent of people will actually recover from perfectly well with their own immune system unless you're an elderly or you've got an underlying health condition but let's be clear and i'll state it again covid19 or sars-cov2 has never been isolated from any patient anywhere in the world at all. They used a falsy PCR test, which is the source it's all based on, spun it out to 40 cycles, picked up a very short, small fragment of the common cold and influenza, put it in a computer, paid the researchers a lot of money and got the best results money could buy. And then that made everyone fearful, run for cover, go and get a jab, and that is when the carnage started. That is when your pandemic officially began, when they started bringing out the jabs. It's funny how you're all now well-versed in all the variant names. You're all well-versed now in sudden adult death syndrome and people, sports stars, over a thousand recognised sports stars dropping dead on the field. Um, all this is now so normal. But I it's mean, the whistle. No, it was the whistle that was killing them. Oh, exactly. Fright, just like goats, you know, big thunderstorm, you have a goat drop dead. Well, just like on the penalty. Penalty. Oh, I can't. I'm dead. Sorry. That's how it works. This is the new normal, which is bloody abnormal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so the reason why, I mean, what is what is far right anyway? That's what I want to know. What is the definition of far right and what is the definition of alt-right? Because um, we've had people of all races speaking at our events. We've had people of all persuasions, like religion. Um, you know, we've had transgenders turning up to our event. Um, if they want to say that we're bigoted or misogynistic, like they should just come to the events and they'll see it's such a wide range of eclectic people and we don't discriminate against anybody. We want you all to come and tell your story. Well, we'll discriminate against pedos. Well, that we will do. Okay, there are certain lines that, you know, you don't or cross. Or against transgenders trying to teach our children how not to be what their biological sex is. I mean, yeah. hell, we, we, we used to play with dolls when we were little only because we'd take off the clothes and see what was under there, you know? <laughs> but that's blokey stuff. And we'd even put the doll in our dump truck, push around the sand. But, you know, there's other stuff about you can be whatever you want when you don't even know how to use the toilet. There's something, something seriously going wrong there. Yeah, that's a massive story that uh, we need to keep following up on. Yep, it's all about the kids. Yep. It is about the kids, and that's the thing. Uh, they don't really care about our generation, but that next generation that's had to wear the masks, that's been told that they have to take the jab to save their grandparents and to do it for other people. Since when have we put the weight of the world on the children? We should be protecting them, not them being told they have to protect us. Yeah. So it's really, really twisted what's gone. It's basically a massive MK Ultra mind control uh, psychological operation, if we're going to get really honest about it, on the next generation. Yeah, society's asked about face. I mean, our greatest asset that this country has are our, are our old people. They know how to do things tough. They know how to fix things that are broken instead of chucking it out and buying some cheap Chinese crap that's been bought in. They should be mixing with our children. They should be the ones teaching them. Because the cotton generation in the middle have lost their way. They're completely bonkers. Bonkers, bunkers, where the hell are we going? Speech impediment. Must be Jab. Who's shedding here? <laughs> anyway. Someone shedding. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that, that there needs to be looked at as well. If you can create places where you bring the people out of the homes, out of those old folks' homes, and that, put them with our children, I tell you what, we'll, get, we'll raise a much better generation there than we've getting now. 
So um, one of the best ways to combat uh, these ad hominem attacks or these kind of false criticisms that they try and throw at us is by getting people uh, to come and talk about the this thing. So the next speaker we're going to have, um, she's Dana Lee. We've been working with her for a while, and um, she she's from the far north, and um, she's a real warrior, and she's probably the most courageous woman that I know. And when you'll see her, she'll see she's absolutely a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll get, bring Dana up, and uh, she can let you know about what she thinks about um, not only counterspin and our white supremacy, but also um, what's happening in Mouldydom because she is uh, obviously of the right colour and um, uh, ethical eth- no ethnicity. She's from the right ethnicity to be let's speaking about these someone. things. Let's offend someone. Let's bring the spear chucker up and uh, <laughs> let her have a talk. So put your hands together for Dana Lee. <laughs> All right, I thought I was going to be speaker number three, but that's all right. There's so... All right, where to start? So, you know, uh, with regards to what we were saying... Actually, I'm going to read you guys something, all right? hope you guys don't get offended by swearing, okay? There are... So, I wrote something this morning, and I'll share it with you guys. <clears throat> Hope our cameraman doesn't mind me, our director doesn't mind me swearing. Oh, they're, they're outside. All right. So, there is a portion of Mouldydom that is so fucking stupid that an old saying comes to mind, thick as bricks. They go under the guise of anti-fascists. Let's look at that. Fascism, a political system headed by a dictator in which the government controls business and labour and opposition is not permitted. Fascism is a form of far-right authoritarian ultranationalism characterised by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition and strong regimentation of society and the economy. These bricks... The so-called anti-fascists are the ones attempting to squash any type of thought that they do not like. These bricks have tried to stop your stories from being heard. They don't want free speech. They don't want freedom. They don't want to hear any thought that is detrimental to the lining of their pockets, to the dopamine hits that that they receive from the virtue signalling of pathetic activism against white supremacists. White supremacist, it would appear by all accounts now, has a new definition if the anti-fascists are to be believed. It would equate to someone who questions everything. It is the anti-fascists who support the socialist paradise that the likes of Kim Jong-un and his father implemented in North Korea, and that's a fucking hellhole. So let me reiterate... Anti-fascist definition now equates to I stand for everything I pretend to be against Sit down, shut the fuck up and do as you're told Speak only when spoken to Now, so with regards to that my What I'm going to talk about uh, I don't know if any of you who followed the Grey Mouth event they, if you did, you would hear that there was a bit of a discussion. Um, we had a phenomenal lady called Kath stand up and she spoke about saving the Waitaha. And she spoke on her reasons why. 
She also mentioned how we have a local iwi uh, who are gunning for that waitaha to basically be uh, shut down again, to be divided again, and that was something. So then I made a comment and I said, it's time to hold Māori them accountable. Now, you guys can't do it because you'll be caught a racist. They, so it's got to be people like myself and other like-minded Māori who come out and hold these people accountable. The word iwi, the whole idea of iwi, it is a corporation. So it can no longer be for the people or of the whenua. Okay? Now we are... So I'll just bring that back a bit more. So... In this country, we have a portion of Māori dim who, who I do believe have been weaponised against our country. Okay, I'm sure some of you know about the Hipopua legislation and how that's locking. And you know, I revised it last night, and it's a massive handover supposedly to Māori. However, that is a massive farce. That is not the case, because in it you will notice that they mention iwi quite a bit. Now, iwi is a registered corporation. You're basically saying it's staying with the government. The faces just might not be as pale, that's all. Now, now my main reason for doing this was to, because you know, I don't like being on the side, I prefer being on the other side, but I believe in something, and I believe about. I believe in our country, and I love our country. Since being on this tour, I've had the privilege of getting to see it um, in all its glory. Now, I've been telling it to the South Island before. I actually have family, so my mother's French, and I'm sure we have a bit of Scottish in there as well. And that, so they live down here. And, you know, so we used to come down here and visit. Now, I haven't been as... I'd never been past Christchurch, but I have had the um, privilege of doing this tour and seeing the lower South Island and the West Coast and how beautiful it is. And I brought my daughter to show her, her country, you know, our country, the very thing we're fighting for so that we can save it and share it for the next generation. Now, I'll just touch on something very briefly in there because I just mentioned my mother and how she is French. So I can't pretend like I'm just for one people because I'm not. I'm for all. I'm not just Māori. And we have a portion of Māori here that are pretending like there's not a whole other side of us that isn't Māori. They also... Following that note, we have a narrative running in this country that Māori were the first here. That's not true. My whakapapa is evidence of it because my people were here before the migratory waka arrived. And then the migratory waka arrived and there was a union formed between one of those captains and a woman who was of a people that had been here, recorded 23 generations. And that's in the very far north. So that's going to cause some shit, me coming out and saying that.
and I'm not the only one. You know, I'm not the only one. So, and I, I want to tear it down, tear the narrative down, tear the bullshit down. I want my people to hold those accountable that aren't being held accountable. I want Māori dim or Māori dim because Māori dim has become a farce. I want Māori dim, the pure ones, the pure descendants to come forward and hold these motherfuckers accountable because they are destroying our country. They came in and they allowed a rat poison to come through and fuck their genealogy up. Now, there was a line that so many of us heard, and it was protect your fucker papa. Okay? I was always taught to protect our fucker papa, as I've just explained to you why we were taught to protect our fucker papa. These sellouts came in, and after all these years of crying victim to colonialism, even though they love the fruits of it, crying victim to capitalism, even though they enjoy the very benefits of it, they couldn't do half the shit that they do. They couldn't run their mouths the way they do. If it wasn't for it, they, so they allowed that to come in and they, after spending all this time playing victim, you know, going with that narrative, they suddenly did a big flip and said, you know, that's for us. You know, actually... Never mind that, um, we'll use that when it serves us, but um, while you're at it, can you just take this? They, they not only said, they not only put a heavy push on that, last year the Māori Party suggested that Level 4 was extended in order to hold Māori on lockdown so that they could ensure that they had over a 90% vaccination rate. Okay, That alone... If you're Māori and you're screaming oppression, you're doing the very thing that you say you stand against. The anti-fascists who are slamming us at the moment and accusing us of being white supremacists, they're doing the projecting the very same thing onto us that they fucking stand for. We're not white supremacists unless it equates to question everything. Stand for what is true. Maintain your integrity. Uphold the values that we grew up with. That is who we are. If that's a white supremacist, call me a fucking white supremacist. You know? So, I'm just going to read something out to you. I should read it in grey mouth also. Because then I'll touch on something else with regards to hipuapua. Now, I'm going to read Richard Pross's speech, uh, former NZ First MP, uh, from the 16th of May, 2021. <clears throat> dear New Zealand, so, yeah, dear New Zealand, while you remain asleep, scornful and credulous, your nation has been stolen and sold out from under you. Yes, it is. No, this isn't conspiracy rubbish. It's true and it's happening. Yes, the government is lying to you. Yes, the opposition is in bed with them. Yes, the media are in on the act as well. Everything you are being told through every official and officially sanctioned channel is a lie. Yes, it is. 
I have told you so at every opportunity and at every step along the way. And so far, I've been 100% right, which is pretty good, even for me. Accuse me of blowing my own trumpet if you like. I don't really care. It does sadden me to see from afar what is happening to my homeland, under the very noses of the very people to whom it's happening, who continue to not believe it, even when that whilst they are experiencing it. But personally, I'm not affected by the scorn. I've always been a seer, and I've lived my entire life subject to ridicule because of that. Because of that. But here I am, being right again. There is no pleasure in that. Here's what you can look forward to in the short to medium term. China will become the new colonial overlord of New Zealand. New Zealand will become the new Zimbabwe of the Pacific. A few elitist Māori... I put that in inverted commas because most of them will be mostly white. Many will have non-Māori names and none of them will actually represent either real Māori or anyone else apart from themselves. We'll come back to that. Will, will gain majority control over much of the land and natural resources of the New Zealand islands. They will be doing this on behalf of their masters in Peking as well as for their own benefit. Please don't allow the state of affairs to drive a wedge between real Māori New Zealanders and real white and other New Zealanders. It's simply divide and rule being applied and it can only succeed if you pander to it. Food production and distribution will be completely centrally controlled. Your water will be centralised and privatised and you'll need a permit to collect white rainwater, which you will have to treat to NZ drinking water standards, which will include the addition of fluoride and chlorine. I mean, it is, half of the stuff that I'm reading out to you guys, you guys can already see, is well and truly in play. Chinese troops and police will become common sites on your roads and streets. Just on that, very briefly, we've seen them in Auckland. Uh, Direct air links and the exchange of students at all levels will become much more frequent. Mass immigration from mainland China will occur. That's been happening. In one generation, that is 20 to 25 years, Chinese-born people will be the numerical majority of the total population of the New Zealand islands. 25 years is not a long time. The Falklands War was 40 years ago. The New Zealand dollar will collapse. It will be replaced by a new currency backed by and value-linked to the new Chinese digital currency. You will have no ability to trade internationally other than via China and her banking system. Te reo Ngāpuhi and Mandarin will become compulsory languages. Politics is not the answer to the situation. Rather, it is the cause. If you do not want the future I have described, you are going to have to fight... By fight, I mean rise up in armed insurrection against your government and its agencies. I will say this again. Party politics is what got you into this mess. The one you still don't believe could ever happen, even while you are experiencing it, and it won't get you out. You are still strong now. I thank all the gods that ever were that you didn't hand in your guns. Yes, you are going to need them. Stock up on ammunition now while it is still legal to bring it in. What a shame no one makes ammo in NZ anymore. Yeah, I know that too. Beyond the assembling of it from imported components. But regardless of that, stockpile as much as you humanly can. Now, 
you're all intelligent beings here. You all know this is well and truly in play. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen it when we saw the sponsorship go over Jacinda Ardern's election campaign in 2020 when she had, uh, I always get this pronunciation wrong, uh, uh, Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. Yeah. So that you know, that's an organized CCP organization that has been utilized. Their uh, facial recognition technology has been utilized in China to uh, separate the Uyghurs from the Chinese people and pull them out. That technology is here. Now, when you saw that uh, that sponsorship go across her election campaign. This country should have had a red flag going and thinking, shit, this co that company is banned in several other countries. That's a CCP organisation. What the heck is it doing over the Prime Minister's election campaign? I'll just go back to something with regards to... Uh, if you elitist Māori, I put that in inverted commas because most of them will be mostly white. Many will have non-Māori names and none of them will actually represent either real Māori or anyone else apart from themselves. Will gain majority control over much of the land and natural resources of the New Zealand islands. This is where Hipuapua comes in. It is a tool being utilised to provide a false security blanket for Māori. It will go to iwi, which is a registered corporation, and it will get what pulled straight out un from underneath them. And you. We've got families in this country who, under the guise of being Māori, they take and take and take. And I mean, it's not just Māori, you know. It can't, we see this in every group, but Māori is what I'm gunning for in particular in this because no one else is holding them accountable. And so I feel obligated to do this because I love my country, I love my people, I love my friends and family, I love my children. And I'm white huh? And your white people. Yeah. And I, you know, all, all people. We are all one people. Our country is made up of a unique, diverse people. We can't pretend to be anything else. So we must all work together as one for all, for our nation. They, I think I'll just leave it there. Oh. <laughs> I'll leave my chair. Very good. Very good. All right. All right. Thanks, Dana. That was um, a massive. Uh, show of courage and bravery. So let's give Dana another massive round of applause. And uh, that's what they're scared of. They're just scared of everyday Kiwis uh, telling you their perspective. So this is why they're trying to smash us. So the next person, now that we've got that, um, that one out of the way, our next person is a local from Karamea. And um, we started talking about 1080 down in Greymouth. So uh, you're probably all very familiar with this man, but um, he goes by the name of Jim Hilton, and he's going to tell us more about 1080. So welcome, Jim. I'll use the other one. This one here. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. They're a bit, tri they're a bit tricky. These microphones. Uh, thank you, Hannah. 
uh, for, for that introduction. Yeah, look, I, my, yeah, my name's Jim Hilton. I, I live up in Karamea. I was born in Christchurch, so I, I was born a city kid. Uh, I, I was a bit of a misfit when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I, I got really interested in birds when I was... Yeah, yeah, at primary school, and I used to get these books on birds. Anyway, I got interested in birds, and then and then joined a bird watching club, and used to go to the museum and look at look at look at all the stuffed birds, and go and go, and go on trips looking at birds. And then I got interested in, in tramping <coughs> and mountaineering, and and uh, because yeah, I just uh, yeah liked me out in the bush, and I had had people in the bird watching world that took me out there. Uh, and some of my, I realised that some of my friends uh, had really good jobs uh, studying birds, and I thought, gee, that'll be all right. <laughs> you could get paid for doing something that you liked. So I went off to university. Didn't really want to go to university, but I had parents that sort of encouraged me to. And and uh, you know, there's this carrot at the end of the stick, a nice job. So I went away and did biology, and studied birds and and, and animals and and. Uh, uh, yeah, basically it's the same sort of thing that a doctor does when they do their medical. You know, they, they study, you know, you've got to know what the inside of a human body looks like if you're going to cut it open and all that sort of stuff. So I know what viruses are and, and, and how the natural world, world works. So that's, that's how I sort of got into the COVID thing because if I'm good at anything, it's sort of understanding how the natural world works. I'm not not terribly good at understanding how the inside of a computer works, or the inside of a yeah, chemistry and physics and all that sort of stuff. Uh, okay, well, one of the things that that bird watchers do is count birds. Uh, so, and, and you get out there, and you have a little notebook, that you, and uh, every 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 night when you stop, you, you make a note of how many, well, some do, how many birds that's in. Anyway, anyway, eventually I, I I finished my university degree, and I got a job with the New Zealand Forest Service, uh, who was they were studying deer and possums and and that sort of thing because. Uh, there were jobs for people killing deer. There were deer cullers up there in the mountains killing deer and possums because, because the government said they were pests. You see, uh, and 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 uh, so uh, and they paid paid us to do these surveys and up in the back country. So I spent several years up in the back country, school holidays, tramping around. Uh, uh, counting deer shit. Actually, our title was was shit counter. Uh, and I had a boss that was that was telling me that look, you know, the way to find out how many deer up in the bush was was to count their shit. And uh, after I'd done four years of that, <laughs> I'd uh, decided that that wasn't really wasn't a hell of a good way of counting counting deer or anything else. Uh, so, but I, <clears throat> but there were possums in the bush and deer in the bush, and I moved from Christchurch. I moved up to Karamea because and. and and, uh, and hunted possums up there. There was good money in possum skins. And there were lots of possums and lots of birds and lots of stoats and rats and everything in the bush before they started dumping 1080. Uh, what's the short story on 1080? I've been fighting that or, or protesting against that since about 2012. I was in Australia and I discovered Facebook. 
Uh, there were some good, good uh, Facebook sites on, on 1080, uh, and I thought, gee, this is the way to go. Found a lot, of, lot out, found a lot out about trolls and forest and bird, and uh, yes, yeah, uh, pretty quick introduction to social media. Uh, yeah, we organised a few protests around the country. Uh, we had a really big one. I don't know. Did, did Phil Patterson was a greymouth? Did Alan Gurdon turn up? Alan, yeah. We, we, in, in 2018, there were two guys from down the coast uh, walked the length of New Zealand, one from Bluff to Wellington, one from Cape Reinga down to Wellington. And that all started down at Blackball. That was quite an interesting story, uh, and which I'll just repeat, because uh, Jacinda Ardern, and that's the last time I'll mention her name, on the, <coughs> on the hustings, uh, visited Blackball, which was down the west coast. That was the birthplace of the Labor Party. Uh, Alan Gurdon lived at, at Blackball, and he uh, went along to one of her meetings and said, look, if, if uh, me and my mate walk the length of New Zealand, will you talk to me about 1080? Can I, can I talk to you about 1080? And of course, and she said yes. Uh, so that was good enough for Alan. So in 2018, they did. That, you know, in the space of... They started in the middle of winter, and uh, then they walked to Wellington, got to Wellington about September, and we got about... They, they, they spread their uh, 1080 poison story over the space of about three months, and we got about 4,000 people in Wellington. That was the biggest protest we had, but lo and behold, uh, no, we, Jacinda didn't want to listen to us, uh, the Minister of Conservation didn't want to listen to us, and nobody else wanted to listen to us either. Uh, and I've spent a fair bit of time writing emails and letters and trying to meet with some of the people that reckon that 1080 is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and it's a brick wall. The short story, well, what's keeping 1080 going? Uh, we've got a government department uh, which started in the 1930s, uh, which was set up to kill pests. They started off killing deer. Uh, and once you set a government department up, they just keep it growing and growing and growing. And the way they keep it growing is, is the top people in those government departments. Uh, Calvin was right onto it before. The scum rises to the top. A lot of good people in the police, a lot of good people in the conservation department too. But as you go up these structures, and they're all, they're all corporate structures, I call them Ponzi schemes, uh, and they're designed like that. There's a lot of people at the bottom and there's different levels up. Further you go up, uh, so the top people in, in the uh, Forest Service and the Conservation Department and every other department in New Zealand, the police and the health system and the uh, Transport New Zealand and any other government department that you can name, uh, they've just got to convince the politicians that, that there's a real problem out there. So, and they do. And the politicians just give them some more money and they just keep on going because the top people get paid lots and lots of money. And that's half the trouble. You know, people, they, those people are just following the money. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, 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 these Zealandia and these fenced sanctuaries, there was a fenced sanctuary up in Nelson, uh, which was <clears throat> a sort of public-private partnership between a, 
private trust. Uh, so we fought against the poisoning of a, of a water reserve up there. Uh, and in the process, we, we discovered Sue Gray. She's an environmental lawyer. Uh, and we used her. We had a court case up there where we took the Nelson City Council and the trust and the Minister for the Environment, it was Nick Smith, the court. Uh, we had quite a successful court case, but the day after the court case, they changed the rules and Nick Smith said, oh, look, you local councils, you don't have anything to do with, do with 1080 anymore. It's all going to go through Wellington. So this is what that did to us back in 2018. Okay, and then let's roll on to COVID. Yeah, two years ago, I, I spotted COVID as a scam right from the start because it was being advertised and promoted exactly the same way as, as 1080. Uh, <clears throat> I couldn't convince many other people about that. You know, I've got adult children and they just, you know, what, what are you on about? You know, really support you on your 1080 stuff, but COVID, look, you know, you've bloody lost the plot, Jimmy. You're spending too much time on on uh, watching, watching uh, gaze, gazing at your computer. Yeah, so, so I, 1080 was the elephant in the room. We formed a, a, a little incorporated society called Nakaitiaki Tukuiho, uh, abbreviated to KTI, um, a couple of years ago. Uh, got hold of Sue Gray and we collected money and basically supported her court case. The, the one she had last year in May, May the 20, 12th of May, 20th of May last year. Uh, and what did the government do? They did exactly the same thing. We, we, there were two parts to the court case. First, first one was, was we wanted a, we got an urgent hearing in the High Court. Uh, a long spiel from the judge. It'd take you about half a day to read it because there's so many long words and you need a big dictionary. Um, so we won the first part of the court case, and the second part was 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 over over the vaccine being uh, fair and reasonable comes to mind, uh, safe and effective. Yeah, well, the government's running around saying the vaccine's safe and effective. Okay, that 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 that's uh, covered in the in the Fair Trading Act. It wasn't, it's not safe and it's not effective, and we knew that 12 months ago. What did the government do then? They just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then they offered us $14,000 $14, if we dropped the case. And we said, no. <laughs> we said, no, we don't want bloody $14,000. We just want you to stop the mandates. Uh, so there's a bit of argy-bargy there. And it still hasn't been sorted out, but it will be sorted out reasonably soon. Roll on to the, yeah, Wellington, the protest in Wellington. Uh, I went along to Picton. Great. I, I, this is when I, I discovered Counterspin Media. You know, Helvin, Kelvin and Hannah, just great. Uh, why didn't the politicians come out and meet with you? you a perfectly reasonable request there? No, they don't want to meet. So there's not one politician uh, in Parliament right now that, that's... that's uh, no. Not one, not one that, 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 that's worth the money or that shouldn't be there. What's happened? What's happened in, in Buller here? I'm probably up to time now. Um, after after the police came in and, and sort of just trampled on everybody, you know, might is right. Uh, people are spread out to the region. So what's happened in Buller? There's lots of we, we've got uh, groups going on here. Well, you people probably know about these anyway. They've got the Buller, the Common Law group meets here once a month. 
and on a, on a Tuesday night, in the, and then there's the the uh, the Buller assemblies, and 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 I'll finish talking about these assemblies. There's a movement out there to form these assemblies. Assembly. What's an assembly? A group of more than two people. In my book, you can have big assemblies, small assemblies. Parliament's an assembly too, or it should be, an assembly of people that represent us. Represent us, but they don't. So, most important thing about these assemblies that are forming around the country uh, is to meet face to face, like we're doing now, talk about things, and also to choose representatives because we need representatives, people that are going to are going to uh, represent their constituents rather than representing themselves and just you know going into politics because it's a good job and it pays money. Uh, I've run out of time. <laughs> Thank you very much for your patience. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. And uh, it's a great example of how we can all get involved in um, different issues that speak to us. Um, and the whole election thing, you know, there's so much debate whether they work, whether they're, whether they're free and fair, whether it's worth our time. We all know that Sue Gray and uh, Andrew Hollis have been up in Tauranga standing in the by-election. And uh, hopefully, let's Keep our fingers crossed. Maybe Sue um, made it over the line. I don't know if they're not corrupt up there. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring your attention to is the hood, which, again, it's another court case. Uh, you know, whether these court cases <clears throat> can actually work is another question, but they do need our help because they want to raise 250000 They have raised 143000 so they have 106000 to go, and that's for the children. That's um, because countries like Sweden and Norway have chosen not to push the vaccination for the children or have left it up to individual families. So now they're saying that natural immunity can come after infection. These countries have recognised this product as not something children require, yet our government, to continu our government continues to say our children need it. Why? So hopefully um, you can help. Go to thehoodnz.com and uh, you can find the place to donate. Oh, only 88,000 left. Okay, there you go. So I think they've got to do that by uh, early next week because um, their court case is actually on the 27th and 28th of June. So um, get out there and support them. The next speaker is a man by the name of Stephen. He is a retired gentleman from Auckland and uh, it's good he's going to be running... Um, kind of merges into what you were just getting into, into the elections. So um, he's also interested in common law and uh, natural law, things like that. Very uh, educated man and things legal or lawful, depending on how you uh, want to use these words. But um, please put your hands together for Stephen. Well, uh, good afternoon. Uh Am I coming through? I suppose yeah. I am. Yeah. Hey, look, um, two speakers uh, just prior, two powerful speakers, uh, especially Dana. Um, I agree with a hell of a lot she's saying. Um, just before I got into the West Coast or South Island, uh, I stayed over in Wellington with a group of people at Mahunga Bay. They are from the Maori side of things. They're protesting, similar to what Dana's doing. Now, I visited um, twice with them, and I've learned a hell of a lot. And to back up what Dana's saying is um, a nice lady there called Mihi Rongamai. She has also concurred 
that there were people here before what they classed as Maori. And we've been told so much bullshit, unless we understand our own history, um, we're just in the dark. And I've, I'm going back that way. I've said I'd call back in and I'll have a little bit of a conflab with a, a few things I'll say they may not like, but uh, that's all the educational process, if you understand me. And, but I've learned a lot and I've learned to be quiet and listen to other people but take it all on board because sooner or later, something in this country has got to pop and it's got to stop. You know, um, we've got great people here from the coast, terrific people, you know. So my uh, line of thought is I certainly want the politicians, I mean, the rot within Parliament's got to stop. 120 of the bastards didn't even bother coming out in Wellington when we were there. I was there. I wasn't there for the big bash. I just left to regroup. I feel sorry, especially for the elderly women and men that got smacked over, and I was disgusted. On the 2nd of March, uh, 2022, as far as I'm concerned, Parliament declared war on the people of New Zealand. I don't give a damn what they say, that was not on. Everyone has the right for peaceful protest, and that was. And um, I'm so disgusted. Um, just prior to uh, Wellington, uh, I spoke to a lot of people. I've been up as far as the far north. I've travelled all the way down to Wellington. I'm slowly getting into the uh, South Island. Uh, and it, everyone's saying the same thing. But I can't believe they go to the ballot box and they vote for the bastards again. You know, it's just beyond the joke. But um, in saying this, um, I've given Calvin a, a wee booklet. It's uh, 37 pages, and if you're very interested... Uh, it's called Your Will Be Done uh, by Arthur Crispy. Now, he's an Australian par uh, parliamentarian, been through the process. But in Aussie, as it is in Canada, as it is in New Zealand, it's all the same. Unless we understand our rights, their rights, I know they're tre treading on us, but we can remove them if we do it right. But if you can remember that booklet, uh, it, it, it's in plain English. Forget about the politics, but the process they're using on, on us, we can use it on them. I'm quite surprised the local MP around here is not here today. What's, who's he, what's his name? Damien O'Connor. What a tosser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK. Now, what we should be doing prior to this election, if you read that booklet, it sets out for you um, how to write. Now... I wouldn't quite write what they've got in the book because things have changed over the last 20 years, okay? So it's the understanding of words, and the words they use on us have double meanings. I'll give you the tip now. And most of the letters we, we write to them, especially the one I wrote in December of last year, they've probably gone like this because I've never received anything back. So we're in the same boat. So what does it come to? And Dana's talking about um, rebellion. I think it'll come to rebellion. I'd like to see Auckland divided. Not Auckland, sorry, that's a shithole. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave them out of the equation. But I could see the West Coast as being uh, our own separate nation. If we wanted that, you know what I mean? Well, what are we, we going to do about it? How do we go about the process? Um, we've, got, we've got two containers on the bridge and keep the zombies out. That's the one, yeah, yeah. And those who don't want to be part of it, well, we'll just deport them to Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs>
But anyway, we've got this election coming up, but please, if you can read that booklet, it might help you on how to set out a letter, okay, to them. And tell this prick that, hey, what did you do about COVID? Or what were your thoughts? You know, why, have, uh, why are people dying, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. Unless you do something about it, you're not going to be voted in. Simple as that. But you can remove them prior to that, and it's a process. It's there for us. Um, okay, look, um, I'm going to ask a simple question to everyone here. Now, this has been brought up all the time, You two, and Jim did too, unfortunately. Hey, Jim. <laughs> they say, the government. Will someone put their hand up and tell me who the government of New Zealand is? No. <laughs> oh, beside the other fascists, yeah. All right, look. The government, oh, we know it's a word, all right? Mind control, whatever you like, it's just a bloody word. So your government, what they class as the legal government, is the uh, Governor-General, okay? That, she has always been the government. When these uh, political parties go into power, they call themselves the government. They're not. They come under, all right? So what we have, we have Parliament here, we supposedly vote a representative to represent us, ha ha, in there to look after us in, in our electorate. It, it doesn't work. We all know that, okay? We have Parliament there, then we have Parliament House. Who's in charge of Parliament House? The government, the Governor-General. Now, she comes along because we haven't got a Prime Minister after the election, and she decides who's the Prime Minister is. We don't vote for a Prime Minister. They have no ruling over us. Parliament makes the laws. Government House must abide by what we want. But they're not. They're just doing what they bloody want. So until you understand the process, um, and then we can probably move forward and do something, I, I don't know how we're going to get to people to do that. But everyone's still hell-bent on what I class as the Westminster system. In England, Westminster system is only a two-party system, okay? Whoever they are, they always get in. And in New Zealand, National Labour. They have turnabout. The, this year's election coming up, it's already won by National. It's already won. People don't realise this. And all the poor little parties coming in to try and do something, collectively they should come together as one unit and say, this is what we want, but we want the rot to stop. From the top, or top to the bottom, bottom to the top, the system that we've, we have has got to go. The judiciary are corrupt, the police are corrupt, the whole bloody thing is corrupt. And it's all run by the Knights Templar or the Temple Bar, right down to the bottom of your solicitors, your barristers, and this is why Sue Gray and everyone else can't win. It's controlled. Now, your Templar Bar goes right back the City of London. That's where your finances are. All right, we're all controlled by the finances, but let's try and stop these bastards from implementing, especially what Dana was talking about before. Hey, we don't want this for our children. And uh, I've got two uh, beautiful grandchildren. I don't want to see them, you know, with the rest of the country. I want to see them free, free to go out and fish, free to go out and hunt, enjoy mum and dad and grandkids. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what life's about, I suppose? You know, but um, anyway, look, I won't bleed on too much. There are probably better speakers than me, but um, just have faith and uh, give this prick here 
um, a few letters. I mean, just storming with letters. Keep writing to him. Because if, if he doesn't do anything for us here, you have the right to go to the Governor-General and you can fire anyone, including the Prime Minister. If only you knew your own power. But it's only through putting pen to paper and knowing what to say. And that is... Sorry? Karen Brewer has been up there protesting for the last eight, nine months, and people have been outside the Governor-General's protesting, nothing's been acted. So it doesn't work. Uh, that, that is correct, sir. Uh, but have you put a pen to paper? There has been petitions done. Yeah, yeah that's, that's slightly different petitions, but um, maybe I should show you how to write. But I'm not running you down here. But if you can flutter with these letters, I understand that she's received stuff, and all they're doing is this. So if, if they're doing this, where, where do we stand as people? You know, I'm, I'm, I was, I'll show you a clip if you wish. Um, I was outside Governor-General's um, little place too, and I've got some wonderful clips there with people on the microphones. It was just five of us. We protested. Cop came over to me and he says, oh, what are you doing here? And I said, what the fuck do you think we're doing? You know, we're protesting. And uh, just then, uh, <laughs> all the school kids were coming out, you see. And it was, it was bloody funny because one of the women there, I won't say her name, and um, the school kids starting to get into her. So she went straight up to them. You know, and this is all about the vaccines and everything else. And the older boys, which are, I don't know, six formers or something like that, they're trying to hurry the little ones along because the, the, older, one, the older ones, right, they're all in on, on the game. And I give this woman credit for what she said to the children. Then all of a sudden, it changed. Now, um, all the kids come up, this woman, getting selfies with her and getting into what we're doing and police coming over again. Well, how long are you going to be here for? <laughs> so we went round to the other entrance, um, the main entrance there, and there was only four of us there by that stage. Cops turned up again. And I just explained what we were there for. He didn't have a real problem with it. You know, because we weren't doing too much, and he shot off, and we shot off afterwards. But at least I've tried to do something, and I will be trying to do something in letter writing, and maybe I'll hand a letter to Calvin, and to show how I format my letters. But the more we can flood them with it, they can't ignore us the whole bloody time. <laughs> yes, they they they, they 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 they're doing it now. They're doing it. They're doing it now. So, you know. You've got to take the power back. It's with we, the people. you just got to live it. Do it. Yeah, we've got, we, we got to come to... It's a broken system. The system is broken, ladies and gentlemen. And the um, Can I just have a show of hands? I don't really want to do this, but who voted for MMP or the theory behind it? Well, they thought it was good. I mean, I won't hold against you, but I'll, I'll tell you why. Any, did you agree with the MMP, you guys here? Did you vote for it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the big problem with MMP, I saw it coming too, and it was entrapment. And what happens is those MPs say this prick here gets um, uh, voted out, but he's on the list seat. Okay? He gets back into bloody parliament because he's on top of the list. Well, no one voted for the prick. It's wrong. It's got to change. And. Um, uh, if you read that, please read that booklet if you keep that in mind. Your Will Be Done. Your, your Will Be Done by Arthur Crespi. Now, it's only 37 pages in plain English, and it's helped me a lot of understanding. You know, um, it's not political, 
It just shows you your rights. And hopefully, um, if you all just just have a peek, you don't have to, but it may may help you out and, and get on with it. But all right, well, look, that's that's all I've got to say. But uh, Sorry, can you spell the last name? Crispy. Crispy. Uh, C C H R E S B Y. Crispy. Yeah. It's just a little bit of information that might help us on that pro progress, you know, and uh, before long uh, I can just see myself eight different regions in New Zealand with eight different militias, you know. It, it, sooner or later something's going to pop because I don't want the CCP here and that's already happening and I can concur with the information I have. I can't tell you all this myself but it's going to bloody happen. You know, and I, I thought myself of um, becoming a hemp farmer because um, when you make those knots, it's not, not as bad as nylon around the neck, apparently. But anyway, I'll leave you with that thought, okay? It's all good, Yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. And uh, something that... I should probably say uh, on behalf of Counterspin that we should have been saying at the start of the tour, but um, and I mean it goes to goes without saying in some ways with our with our whole platform that um, we give the people a platform to share their voice and their opinion. It doesn't mean that we're all going to hundred percent agree with everything they say, or uh, so that's a little bit of a disclaimer. You know, that's just people have their opinion. They have what they believe, and um, we're all allowed to agree to disagree. And this is what the mainstream doesn't want, is us actually having conversations. So um, it's, you know, everyone's on their own journey. They've got to make their own decisions in life. And it's important that you can still think while it's still legal, right? So we just hope that um, we give you a lot of great uh, food for thought and um, you make up your own mind. We're not here to tell you uh, what to think, is just like our speakers aren't. So another lady um, who has been with the Counterspin uh, tour kind of for the Southlands and like West Coast uh, leg is um, probably someone who many of you are familiar with, Heather Mary Pennycook. Uh, she stood in the elections back in 2020. Uh, we won't won't hold that against her. Um, and she's been doing great work around the UN and uh, raising awareness about those agendas. And now she is talking about um, living law. So this is Heather from the, I'm going to get it right, the agenda or the agricultural um Ag gatherings. Ag action gatherings. Ag action gatherings. So put your hands together for Heather. Hi, thank you guys. I couldn't resist coming along and popping up the West Coast. I'm almost a West Coaster, born and raised at Makarora on a sheep and beef farm. And I just love this part of the country because they talk about, you know, Southland blokes and Otago real blokes, but there's nothing like the wild West Coast bunch. And um, just looking around the room, I'm loving the experience, the wisdom and the practicality that I know is here amongst us. And you are the greatest weapon in what we're facing. You as a community, you with your collective wisdom and experience, and we don't have to all think the same. We shouldn't be homogenised. Whatever we're doing to push back against this horrendous situation our country's facing, everybody's got a different part to play. And I like telling people, if you wake up in the morning and you're still breathing, you haven't done what you're here to do yet. We've all got things to bring, and we've all got a separate 
path. So don't believe that we have to, um, there's a lot of talk about unity, and if you bring a whole lot of groups together and bring them all under one approach and one methodology, then they can just be whacked out and you've taken out everybody just with one retaliation. We have to do what the government is doing to us, hit us in every different field. They're hitting us in education, in pharmaceuticals, in this genocidal jab, in um, what's being taught in our schools, in the um, manufactured waste um, lack of bloody fuel. Everybody in this room, every freedom group or person who thinks they're standing up for what's happening in New Zealand at the moment needs to be screaming at the top of their lungs, Marsden Point, hello. That removes 75 to 80% of our fuel in this country. I was talking to a guy on petroleum the other day. He said by July, which is very close, he's expecting to see diesel around about $3.50 as soon as the government um, levy or discount comes off. will be over 4 bucks a litre. Add on your RUC charges, which is about $0.75 cents a litre if you average about 10 k's a litre in your vehicle. So not only are most of us not going to be able to afford the fuel, even if we can afford it, we won't be able to find it. There will be massive fuel shortages. Massive fuel shortages affects every single thing. There will not be food being freighted around. The school buses can't run. You can't get to work. You can't even, if you live rural, go into town to buy stuff which isn't there because the freight companies cannot deliver it because they can't even find freight. Friend was talking to a friend in freight last week. Usually he spends $20,000 a month on diesel for his fleet. Last month he spent 40000 So his fuel costs doubled and that's only going to get worse. Then there will be the shortage. Talking to an older gentleman who flies international flights who was remembered, I think it was about the 80s when we had a fuel crisis and we had carless days. He said what a lot of people don't realise is as soon as the fuel gets really short, you find that international flights will no longer come to this country because they can't fuel up. It's too expensive or there isn't the fuel available for the aircraft to fly out again. Same with the shipping. We've already seen how our government has shut down the shipping. So I know the people who have been camping at Marsden Point put out a challenge to feed farmers in Groundswell and said, what the effing hell? If you're concerned about the rural industry, if you're on a farm, there's no fuel for your ute, there's no fuel for your tractor, or don't worry, our government has said we can have electric tractors, their batteries will only weigh one tonne. It's insanity. So they give us these situations, these solutions that won't work. Well, we need to go electric for the environment to, you know, save this climate crisis, which is absolute balderdash. And so we're going to outlaw LPG gas by 2025, and we're shutting down Marsden Point, and we're charging a $9,000 tax if you want to buy the ute you need for your business or your farm. And it doesn't matter that there isn't a viable electric option available. We're just going to charge you $9,000. And they're talking about putting up RUC. So they are here to legislate us out of existence, legislate and tax us out of existence. They're talking about bringing in a new tax per kilometre you drive as well, as well as the fact you can't afford the fuel or even access it. That move in shutting down Marsden Point was the single biggest crushing blow to this country and we are going to see in the next few weeks absolutely massive fallout from that. So we all need to be speaking out loudly and clearly. You know, I'm pretty blunt about these supposed farming advocacy groups. I'm talking fed farmers, beef and lamb, um, dairy NZ. They're supposedly advocating for the farmers. Seems to me all they appear interested in doing is having cups of tea and chatting with their mates in the government. 
I'm not saying that they're rotten through and through. There is a handful, small handful of people in there trying to do the right thing. But at the upper echelons, they are rotten, they're sold out, and they're just there to brown nose with the government. You know, if you really are concerned about what's happening in this country, you've found your voice as an advocacy group and you're doing more than just having cups of tea and meetings. Some of the words, um, and some of the speakers have talked about that already, but the things we're doing, if you're writing a submission, and I don't like knowing this information because I've written quite a few submissions in my time, we're submitting. You know, all this consulting with the um, community, for example, after they brought in the new impossible freshwater standards, pre-human habitation, how are we going to achieve that? By getting rid of the humans. Uh, that's the only way you're going to get back to pre-human habitation freshwater standards. It's just box ticking. They've already written the legislation. They've already decided it's happening. They come around and consult. They use the Delphi technique in the community meetings to get the answers they want, and then it's compiled into just saying, oh, yes, this community wants fresh water. They twist statistics. The statistical um, justification for the new freshwater standards that came out probably almost a year ago now, the fresh pre-human habitation fresh water, was that supposedly, the headline read, 80% of New Zealand rivers unswimmable, undrinkable. That sounds really ridiculous, because I know that's not true. Talked in one of our meetings to um, a guy who actually worked for an environmental agency, and he was really angry about that. He knew it wasn't true, so he did some research. How could they make this headline? What he found out is that the government surveyed all the rivers in New Zealand, found the 2% dirtiest ones, only tested those, and 80% of them failed the test. So here's their little sneaky lying headline, 80% of New Zealand rivers, unswimmable, undrinkable. 80% of 2% is 1.6%. The truth would have read 1.6% of all New Zealand rivers, unswimmable, undrinkable, big difference. This ridiculous new um, drinking water national environmental standard, which is going to see people have to either UV treat and do E. coli testing about once a week and keep it six degrees and get to an accredited lab within 24 hours, blah, 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 or add chlorine and fluoride, that will apply to every person who has even, you don't even have to have two dwellings on your property to be classified as a water supplier. You could be a farmer who's merely got a water tap at your wool shed and then you will have to comply with these new regulations. What is the justification for those? Supposedly, according to our only source of truth, 34,000 people get sick a year from bad quality water. Now, interestingly, in one of the wee freebie farming papers a couple of weeks ago, I read someone exposing where that figure came from. That came from a 2015 study done by a man called Alex Ball or Alex Bell. I'm sorry, forget, forgot which one of those. Um, so it was done in 2015. He estimated, guesstimated, how many people might be getting sick. He said the highest number might be 34,000, the lowest could be 18,000 but it was just an extrapolation. Also in that report, which is, what, seven, almost eight years old, he did a wee section where he took real case studies and said actually the average is more like 2,500 people who get sick a year. 2,500 people out of 5 million. I don't think that's a justification to put chlorine and fluoride in every water source in the country. You know, it's ridiculous. So, 
I like to um, back up what I'm saying with proof. Now, I don't have time to speak about all the proof in a quick talk, but I'm going to pass this around. This is our website, also the Rumble channel and the Facebook page, which is heavily censored these days, but you will find scientific studies, data, links to people who are experts in their field, which backs up the things I'm telling you. So pass those around. Take one for yourself. Take one to give to someone you know, but please don't believe anything. Question everything. Trust no one. Super quick, if you want to know anything about me, I've got a little blah blah on the website, I'm not going to bore you to death, but um, I never thought I would stand for politics, and I did uh, last election because I was so concerned about where this country was going. I stood up six weeks before the election, my electorate was the Waitaki electorate, and um, that turned into ten weeks when they delayed things. I'm so pleased I didn't get into Parliament um, because even that brief window showed me how totally corrupt and broken our political system is, showed me beyond a shadow of a doubt that the elections are rigged. I believe probably hasn't been a straight election for about 50 years anywhere in the world, let's be honest. Um, but it also meant I connected with a bunch of people who were awake, beginning to wake up and shared the same values I did and could see the truth and um, wanted to see a better world ahead of us than where the current regime is hell-bent on taking us. So before I give you the proof to some of those statements I've just made, here's an example. There's diverse information on our website, all different topics. This is one thing I encourage you to have a look at. This is the, I think it's about 38 pages, the document which was released from the courts in America about how Pfizer had um, committed fraud to say that this genocidal jab is safe and effective. So this is the evidence that proved that. Now this is um, lists and statistics about adverse reactions, adverse events. And the last nine pages is back to back horrendous medical condition after horrendous medical condition, pretty much most of them lethal. And these nine pages, which equate to 21,000 cases, were not included in the safety analysis. How could Pfizer not include them? Because instead of calling them adverse events, they called them adverse events of special interest. Now if it's designated of special interest, it goes into the private visor database and it's not included in the safety analysis. So they took 21,000 extreme cases, multiple organ failure, cancer, myocarditis, pericarditis, all kinds of lethal things, just give them that special label, sweep them under the carpet. So this is worth having a look, it's on our website. Another thing on our website is the link to the United Nations, the uh, fine print for Agenda 21, which has been summarised into Agenda 2030. Now if you just look at the 17 sustainable development goals, they sound awesome. Let's eradicate poverty, let's have equality, let's have a sustainable future. We've all been hyped up and um, sound, I thought, well they sound quite good. What do they mean when you read the fine print? So in here, and if you don't have the time or the energy to read 351 pages of pretty much legal blah blah, there's also some links on the website to Rosa Corey video. She explains section to this. She died recently, she spent 25 years as an American litigator successfully prosecuting states in America for implementing this. And she takes pieces and explains it. So let's look at what would not be in our future, according to them, if it's going to be sustainable. They want to see no more private ownership of land. Hmm, maybe that's behind the legislation our rural people are facing. No private ownership of motor vehicles. 
That's why we can have zero road deaths 2050. They want to see no roading, no irrigation, no ski fields, no golf courses, no private ownership of houses, no private ownership of businesses. Mm, sound a bit like lockdowns and economic collapse to you? Um, they also have said no more family unit. That's unsustainable. And that explains quite a bit too, doesn't it? So um, once you see behind their mask about what's actually happening, things start to make a bit of sense. Because what they're doing, and also on the website is the link to Jacinda Ardern, August 2019, she was given the keynote speech at the Goalkeepers Conference in New York, hosted by the Gates Foundation. The Goalkeepers Conference is when all the countries who signed up to this come together and report on how well they're getting on implementing it. And Jacinda proudly announced in August 2019, guys, that in New Zealand we were the first country in the world to fully implement all of this agenda through all our legislation. That's why you're seeing goalposts that can't, with standards that can't be met. Um, I've got a bunch of headlines I just pulled out of the free farming newspapers in the last couple of weeks. Everything from the poor old um, pork farmers industry, they've just rewritten the welfare codes for pig farmers, and we already had the highest standards in the world, and they've taken the bar so much higher. Not a single pig farmer was involved in writing the new welfare standards, not one. The welfare standards they have implemented here include things like removing farrowing crates. So that means there'll be between 60 and 80,000 piglets crushed by their mums a year. It means that every single pig farm in the country will have to, if not partially, completely rebuild to meet these new standards. It changes the dates that they can wean the piglets, all kinds of things. And they have said this legislation will demolish the pig farming industry in New Zealand. Those people who do limp along for a little bit, it will push their costs up so much, there's no way they'll be able to compete with cheap imported pork, which comes from foreign countries with horrendous welfare standards. Sounds a wee bit like stopping mining our own coal and bringing in dirty bloody coal from Indonesia. Are we beginning to see a pattern, folks? We have a rogue effing government hell-bent on destroying us. Why would they want to do that? Hmm, let's dig some more. This agenda was written by people who were paid to do so by David Rockefeller, and you can find plenty of videos on the internet and interviews where David Rockefeller says unashamedly, this is written based on communist China. Yes, we love communism. We're going to embrace it. They see themselves as elite, and we are like the cockroaches that need to be eradicated. Again, if you don't believe me, link on the website to Klaus Swab's book. talks about how COVID lockdowns were used to um, accelerate the economic collapse around the world. And he is a global elitist. And um, so he talks about us, just have a wee browse. He talks about us as the useless feeders, the bottom feeders, the useless parasites, the need to depopulate. So there's so much evidence out there that it is psychopaths who are global elite, who are trillionaires, who have so much money. They're not doing this because they want more money. They're doing this because they want ultimate control and they see us as cockroaches that need to be depopulated. Um, and so this has been set up and put in place incrementally. Tiny change here, tiny change there, until suddenly you're way down here. The new freshwater standards, the nitrate levels, which in about 12 months' time are going to be halved again, are currently at a point where if you measure the nitrate in spring water coming out of a forest, it won't even comply. And yet farmers are going to be called on to meet standards half of that in about 12 months' time. The legislation is put in place to drive us off the land. And you wake up in the morning and you think, this is 
no, this is like some super techy sci-fi um, plot. Because most of us, in fact, I hope all of us in this room are not psychopathic. Not too sure. It could be one or two. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have empathy. We have compassion. We help one another when we need to help one another. These guys don't understand love, grace, mercy, compassion. They will slaughter your kids and grandkids without even losing a blink of sleep. We have to wake up people to what's happening. What is it going to take? Are you going to wait till there's actually, in a month's time, no petrol to go anywhere, and that's their excuse to herd you into the super cities? They want to herd us into super cities. No humans on the land. Wilderness zones. Perfect excuse. We can't get food out into the rural areas. We can't get stuff back in. We can't get children to school. Just short term, of course, we're going to move you into rural centres so that we can care for you and get you food. You won't be coming out again. There's many different options in front of us. Think about the worst, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, but have a plan so you know what's going to happen when they start to push off the land. Look how Stalin did it. Take control of the food, the water, hmm, sounding familiar, the fuel, and de-arm the population. And that's coming too. It's racing down the barrel at us. You can see the propaganda already. Shooting, 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 shootings. Let's take all the firearms off the people. You know, it's just the same old playbook repeating. Look back in history, it's repeating. And what's the answer? So there's many things we can do. Biggest point, they have been doing centralisation. We need to go back localism. We need to have strong ties in our communities. We need to join back together. So, hey, I've got heaps of sheep. This guy's got an orchard full of apples. This couple's got an amazing veggie garden. We doesn't even have to be barter. We see a need, we supply it, we stand together as a community. Look what happened in Wellington. It organically grew, they organically cared for each other. Those who had gave to those who had not. It's not about wealth, it's about surviving and building a strong community. Our grandparents did this. If you look back, they've just bred that out of us. They've got us distracted with virtual reality. My friend laughs and says, virtual reality, you don't have to get on your computer for virtual reality, we're living in it. Everything they tell us is a lie. It's scaremongering. They use fear, they can push us to do many things. So on a practical sense, and there's some information on their website about survivability, um, and questions you need to ask yourself. What do you need to be prepared for? If this happens or that happens, have you, can you cope? Do you have a friend with a generator? There's just real practical stuff. Like, you don't need to own a generator. Have a friend who does have a small um, cachet of fuel for it. You only need to run a generator for three hours every two or three days, particularly in winter, to keep your freezer frozen. What do you do? Every two or three days, you take the frozen stuff out. You go inside. You stick it in the top of your refrigerator. Your refrigerator's turned off. You've got no electricity. But cold air drops for, for the next two to three days. That's going to keep everything in the fridge cold. The end of those two or three days you've eaten that, you take the next cold stuff out of the freezer. You know, we just need to remember how to be practical. The older people in the room have so much knowledge that our younger people do not get taught. They get taught to be, can I be blunt, self-centred, little prissies who spend most of their time on the internet. I can say that, I've got kids, so I can say that. And you can kick me later. But um, yeah, they have, they have conditioned us to not be resilient, to not be resourceful, to obey authority without question. And that's why so many good people have been coerced or deceived into taking this jab, which will destroy their health, probably. So we need to band together, guys, and 
how do we push back? Now, another sacred cow I want to make sure I do shoot tonight is that we must not believe that any uh, political solution will change what's happening in this country. You can put any party you like, the best people you can find, in that rotten system, and they're going to be munched up and spat out. Parliament is a puppet box. It's controlled by the globalists in the United Nations. I was at a talk recently where a guy who um, is into politics was talking about his new party and how they wanted to, you know, remove us from the UN agenda. He said, we only need four terms in power to do it. And I'm thinking, do you actually think we've got 12 years ahead of us? No. Bloody lucky if we've got 12 months before that iron fist is going to fall, people. Let's be honest. And does he really believe that a minority party, A, can get a majority, and B, can have a majority for four terms in a row? So there's this tool that they are using, which I go distraction and futility. So if you're putting your hopes on seeing somebody else elected, that's distraction and futility. You're putting energy and time into something that is not going to be effective. Now, I'm probably just about running out of time. Five minutes. Um, so... Jump on my website, there'll be more information coming up. I've only put the bare bones to now, but I'm going to get the teachings up there. And I'm standing for, I found this amazing tool about a year and a half ago, and FYI, I've spent the last 20 months travelling the country. I'm up to about 140 talks now, speaking to people about, for the first nine months, what the big picture was legislatively, crushing people off the land. And then when the um, genocidal jab and the scandemic kicked in, I said, we have to be talking about this. We formed a new group, which talks a lot about that and the big picture. And I came across this tool called Living Law. The teacher has lived it for 35 years. He has proved this has superior jurisdiction in pretty much every situation you can think of. But what you do and why I love it is it keeps it simple and you just expose the fraud. So when you're getting in trouble for doing something wrong under an act, let's, let's use uh, the Dog Control Act. You must register your dog, madam. Um, you have, this is a breach under the Dog Control Act. Choose any act, the Policing Act, the Income Tax Act, look it up. About five sentences down it says, this act binds the Crown. That's interesting. Are you the Crown? No. Are you a living man or woman? Yes. Living, dead. The Crown is a corporation. Any corporation is a dead entity. And actually, our government was corporatised in 1986. That's when they removed the 1952 constitution which formed government in this country and became corporatised. The name of the corporation, able to be found on the US Security Stock Exchange, is Her Majesty the Queen and Right of New Zealand. Nothing to do with the Queen of England. So it's a corporation, it's a business. Its purpose is to make the maximum monetary returns for its shareholders, not to act in the interests of the living men and women of this land. That explains a lot. We don't have a Prime Minister. We have a CEO and a board of directors. They are a corporation. Their financial figures and everything are there. Let's take that down. That means every single government department Police Department, Ministry of Justice, WINS, ACC, IRD, they're all corporations. And a corporation, which is a legal fiction, it's not alive, it's a dead entity, does not have, cannot own or have authority over things of substance. What is a thing of substance? A living man and woman, real soil, birds, trees, plants, anything living and real cannot be owned or have authority taken over it by a dead corporate entity unless you willingly give your consent, 
and we've actually been deceived into giving our consent, or guess what? Or that this act binds the Crown, does bind us because we are the Crown if we are presenting ourselves as a corporation. Do we do that? Yeah, we do, because our full legal name is corporatised at birth. So if you believe your birth certificate is your identification or your driver's licence or your passport, that is your corporate name. Every time you show that, every time you answer those identity questions, full legal name, date of birth and re residential address, you are presenting yourself as your corporatised entity, which means they do have jurisdiction, they do own you, they can administer your life. So we have been deceived, and in living law, that's one of about five different ways we just expose the fraud straight away. When you expose the fraud, the contract is null and void, no consent. See you later. You do not have jurisdiction over me. I am a living woman. Or it can be as simple as asking the person involved, am I alive? Yes, okay. Would you look at that act you were telling me I need to comply with? Yes, what's that sentence there? This act binds the crown. Am I the crown? This is a simple, amazing tool. You'll never look at anything the same. And it has come from 35 years lived experience of an amazing man. There's other people, there's people in Australia who have been living the same living law. It's also called law, and I law, L-O-R-E, law of nature or God's law. And what it is, it has some crossover with common law teaching because we're talking about your unalienable human rights. If you're born alive, you have the right to be free, to travel freely. Um, to pursuit of life, liberty and happiness. Those things that used to be taught in school are our rights. So we're standing under that. Everything else is a legal system which has been written by man. It might be admiralty law, common law, tort law, equity law, contract law. It's written on paper. It's LAW. It's artificial. It's not, it's not real. It's a dead entity. So if you write the system and the system says I can imprison anybody I want, that's the new LAW law, that's a rubbish. Because a paper system, something that's created, cannot usurp the unalienable rights of the living man or woman who created it. So all we need to do is understand who we are. Are we living or are we dead? Hopefully that's obvious to most of us. <laughs> and... Um, when you point that out, it's as simple as, am I living? Yes. Okay, so if you're trying to make me do this, what does it say in there? This act binds the crown. Am I the crown? No. And the other, just touch on real super quick, is they use very clever language to deceive us. And that's called legalese. This is a Black's Law Dictionary, and you can look up what their words actually mean, which is quite eye-opening because they're very clever. I'm just going to give you two or three quick examples. They use the word in their acts. That's a good word, they write an act, because actually this corporatised not government doesn't even have the legal power to write and enforce act statutes and laws, because they're not government, they are a corporation. Anyway, so they write these acts and they use words to trick us, like people must register their dog, perhaps. People must register their dog. You and I would understand the word people to mean us, right? But you look it up in their legalese dictionary, what it means when they use it in their laws, acts and statutes, and people is a corporate entity. It's not a living, breathing man or woman. It's a mask, a dead entity, a corporation. Let's take another real interesting word, mandate. 
So we assume in our common usage that the mandate is something which is mandatory, compulsory, right? You look up the legalese meaning and it says recommendation made by the governing body, which is gratuitous. What does gratuitous mean? Voluntary. And here's the kicker, also says if 75% of the population comply with it, it can be turned into a law. But what is legal, what they do in their little legal LAW systems on paper is not necessarily lawful, honourable, true and correct. And I'm using the word law as an L-O-R-E. When you stand under living law as a living man or woman with your unalienable rights and you can very quickly point out where they're fraudulent and you point it out under their own system. If they as a corporation or a person representing a corporation, perhaps an enforcement officer from your local council, so he's representing a corporation, he's still a corporation, if he is claiming authority over you, that's actually slavery. And under the United Nations, ironically 1967 International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights, slavery is not allowable and it's punishable under the 1961 Crimes Act and there is no exemptions for it. So are you claiming authority over me? Yes I am, says the person who doesn't understand they're committing fraud and is just following their job description. So it's about educating people too. You show them that, you get them to ring their CEO and ask them if they've got an exemption to Article 8 of the International Covenant. They go, oh, no, whoops, get out of there. Um, you know, we just have to know who we are and know the four or five ways that we can simply and easily expose the fraud when they come and try to push us to do things that are detrimental because guess what, all the legislation has been written to crash the economy of this country, to get us into a communist, global elite controlled world government situation, a dystopian situation where we're depopulated, we're subsistence level, we live in small rabbit hutches type arrangement in the city and we are totally dependent on the government for our food, our water, our accommodation because when you're totally dependent, look at China, you don't bite the hand that feeds you or you get slapped down and removed real fast. I know it sounds so crazy but the truth is out there under our noses and what will it take New Zealand, what will it take, what lines, what more lines do they need to cross before we stand up and say F off. No. If we all said no tomorrow, it would be over. And I'm not advocating violence. We are about peaceful, non-violent, non-compliance. But the very first thing we must do is put that land in the line in the sand and say no. And here's why you guys are assholes. Here's why you're committing fraud. Here's why this is going to destroy my livelihood and kill my grandchildren. And we need to come together, and whatever you're comfortable to do, if we all step up and do that bit we're comfortable to do, together we are unstoppable. You don't all have to be running around up the front on a white horse waving your shield around, but we need to all stand up and all have each other's backs. Because what's their biggest tactic? Fear, coercion, bullying. And they are breaking their own laws, left, right and centre. They are scared. They know that we are waking up and we are standing up and they are trying to squash us. So they will be turning up in numbers to bully and harass us and do whatever they need to. So we need to be standing there in numbers and then guess who's intimidating who? It's a numbers game. So please, New Zealand, 
have a look at what's happening, have conversations with your neighbours, and as a community, be getting together and deciding what you're actually going to do, not just to address those practicalities of how will we survive if there's no electricity. Um, lucky you don't need to worry about the water being turned off here, guys. <laughs> you're probably praying for the water to be turned off. Anyway, but, you know, if things stop, if there's nothing arriving or going because fuel is totally removed, electricity's turned off, I mean, God, your coasters. You're happy as when the electricity's turned off, let alone the bloody internet. Come on. So, you know, but be looking beyond that. What can we do? Because the peril this country is in, the future we're facing is horrendous. And unless we do something, that's where we're going to be. Time to step up, Kiwis. You can do it. Thank you. There you awesome. go, you're all toast. Thanks, Heather. It's awesome. Oh my God. Um, so this is the point of the afternoon where uh, we would like to open up the mic if there's anybody here that wants to share their story from Wellington or their story from Picton, uh, or maybe they were mandated out of a job, maybe they've had a vaccine injury. Or if maybe. you just want to blow off some steam and lay the smack down, <laughs> that's fine too. Maybe you've been awake for 20 years and finally you've got some friends. <laughs> I honestly can't see this going without a scrap, to be honest, because, you know, we can put as many lines in the sand as we like, we can write as much as we want, we can um, pretend everything's fine. They'll just barge on over it. They've either, they have the monopoly on the use of threat and force. Until you have enough to counter that, you're not going to be effective in any way, shape or form. That's just a fact. Or questions. Maybe somebody's got questions for our speakers. Pardon? <laughs> the question was... <laughs> But I always say, okay. if a government says, hand in your guns, that's the time to go and get more and stock the hell up. Uh, okay, so if you've got a question, just come up and use the mic. Oh, to the, to and, the back uh, seat. You can, question, you can have a question for all the speakers, so if the speakers are just on standby. Um, just to the latest speaker that was just up on the mic, um, I'm vaguely aware of this man that's in jail in the North Island. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering why, if if it's so um, simple and straight, why he is in jail. Uh, so I'm, I'm presuming you're talking about Graham Phillip from yes. Calpo? Yes, yes. Yes, so uh, his case, uh, there's a few issues around his case that are suppressed. Um, Heather, would you like to elaborate on why people can get jailed, even if... You know, we don't know the situation whether Graham was standing. Pretty sure Graham's not standing under living law. Um, but what we have seen repeatedly, and I know many, many people, is um, these guys are going rogue. They know they're losing and they're going rogue. So don't expect them even to follow their own rules. I know people who have been jailed. I know people who are still in jail for shit they didn't do. They've been refused bail, everything else. So when all else fails, these guys will just do what they need to do to address whoever they want to address and that's why it's so important that as numbers we're aware of that and as numbers we stand together and when you put your line in the sand when they cross it you've already planned what's going to happen if they cross that line but you stand in honour you point out the fraud you give people the grace and the chance to go shit sorry or whatever change sides do whatever but yeah make no mistake there is a very grisly future ahead of us if it goes how they want it to go. Because he tried to defend himself, as 
Oh, he was refused uh, bail a couple of times, and yeah, he wasn't allowed to represent himself, as far as we can understand. And just a wee side note, under their system, one of those horrible words is lawyer, and under their own definition, if you are given a lawyer, it's because you're an imbecile, an infant of unsound mind, who must be, you know, have decisions made for them. In this judicial corporate system, which is about earning money for the shareholders, 85% of the cases will be a loss, 15% will be a win, so that the people don't realise it's a complete sham, and before it even reaches court, the judge and both sides' lawyers have come together to decide who win, who lose, and what will be paid. It's an yeah. absolute sham, it's a complete setup. Yeah. Which is why you have to bring yourself out of that infant state and say no to a nanny state. Alright, are there any more questions out there? Yep, would you like to come up on the mic? Is it just easier if I get out of the way? Yeah, probably easier if you just move. <laughs> Oops, hey. Um, I don't so much have a question. I just uh, wanted to thank everybody who's spoken here today, and they've quite clearly painted a picture of the abysmal state of the world. And it's not just in New Zealand. It's everywhere. Um, the uh, thing is that... No, I don't think anybody can say, oh, I have an answer on how we can fix all this. People try, but there's a lot of buts where we say, well, we could try this, but, and we write a letter to the government, but they don't listen, or they just ignore it, or whatever. Um, the question that I presume to have maybe an answer to is how we got to this state. And uh, I think the reason, quite nervous, so give me a second here. No, <laughs> The reason we've gotten to where we are is because of a superstition that's been uh, indoctrinated into us probably since time immemorial. They say <clears throat> the government um, and, and our political system doesn't work, but the truth is it actually does work. It works beautifully. It works exactly how they've wanted it to work for a long, long time. It just doesn't work for us. And the reason it can work so nicely is because of the superstition, this belief that there is a group of people who have the moral right to rule us, and then there is a group of people who have a moral obligation to obey. Now you probably figure out which group you belong to, and me for that matter. Um, the thing is that it's, the good news is it's just a superstition, it's not real. There is no such thing as authority. There's no such thing as government. It just doesn't exist. And here's the logical test that proves the point. You are, nobody in the world is capable of transferring a right or a power to another person that they don't themselves first have, right? So. We think that we run to a voting booth and we tick a box that we are somehow giving that individual that we're voting for, the party or the group or whatever, we're giving them some kind of rights to govern us, but we don't have those rights to give, neither individually nor collectively. When, when we say that we want somebody else to go and collect taxes on our behalf so that our society can function smoothly. That's not a right we have to give to anybody. We can't go 
to our neighbor and say, give me $20 a week so that I can mow your lawns and keep your rose bed pretty, without their consent, that, that would be idiotic. But we are asking a group of people to do the exact same thing for us. And, and it's ludicrous. It just makes no sense. Um, more on that subject, I suppose, for anybody who is interested, is, uh, uh, is an individual called Larkin Rose. He's an anarchist like me. And um, <clears throat> he explains it far better than I can. Um, he's written books about the subject and, and uh, he's millions of YouTube videos and whatnot. Uh, well worth looking into because I think, if anything, um, these people who do the, 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 the living law type of stuff or common law type of stuff, they're touching on it quite nicely. They're close in, in offering the actual solution is that they're dropping the superstition, the, the, the statism, the belief that the state has any kind of authority over us. Um, if we can, as a collective, drop that superstition and, 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 and that belief, which is so illogical, um, then as a, as a group of men and women, we're in a much better position to look through the lies and uh, organize ourselves in a way that, on a, vo on a, vo on a voluntary basis, um, organize ourselves in such a way that we can actually, as a small community or as a group of small communities, pave a way into the future for ourselves. Anyway, um, that's all I had to say. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so Larkin Rose is great, and we've played one of his videos on our show before. Uh, the, is it The Tiny Dot? Yeah. Um, it's about a five-minute video that sums up exactly what this gentleman's saying. Uh, we are the many, they are the few, and yet somehow they've managed to trick us into thinking they can rule Very over powerful, us. powerful, yeah. So, is there anyone else out there who's got some bravery and courage? Yes, all right. Let's put there your hands together for this man. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit wobbly. War wounds. Uh, December last year, I sent Jacinda an email saying uh, three people a day were committing suicide in New Zealand because of her uh, actions. Um, I didn't threaten her or anything like that, but I, you know, told her off. And less than 18 hours later, I had a cop knocking on my door to check on the state of my mental health. Um, his name was Matt, Mun Matt Munro, Matt Morris, Matt Morris, a nice policeman. Anyway, we sat outside and talked for about half an hour. And I said, have you got any kids? And he said, yeah, I've got three kids. And I said, are you going to stick this? Are you going to jab them? He said, oh, it won't come to that. It won't come to that. This was last December. And I said, yes, it will. And he looked really uh, worried. And um, it turned out a friend of mine had passed away about a week before that, and she was staying in a motel in town. She was an old druggie, you know. Anyway, he had to carry her body down the stairs to the mortuary. So he already knew who I was, because he knew I was her friend. So he was sympathetic to me, but not, how would you put it? He had to do what he had to do, yeah. But uh, there you go, the cops, they had my name, they had my number, they had everything, 18 hours later, knocking on the door. So actually I think all the whole common law thing and everything is, I think it's not gonna work. She's just gonna go pole pot on us and do whatever she wants. And if she doesn't, it'll be the next look. 
and we've got nothing. We can't do anything about it. It's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? You know. Yeah. But but what if um, what if she just turns the army on us? No, 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 no. I don't mean that like martial law. You know, like just not. You're not doing what I want. I think she could. I think she could do it. No, I think she could do it tomorrow. Yeah. 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 But I, anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into all that. What I'm saying is. Not that we're fucked, but we're on the way. And if we're going to fight back, it will come to violence. It's going to have to. And uh, that's why they took the guns. So we were here last December, because this is our Unvax pub, which has actually been really good, because I've met all these really cool people. Eh? So if it wasn't for COVID, I'd still be sitting at home in front of the computer. Anyway, <laughs> we were out here celebrating Desna's birthday, wasn't it? This policewoman arrived, and she came in, she had her mask on. We didn't have our masks on, and she took the, the bar people outside and was growling at them, and we were all just watching through the thing. And anyway, she left, and then about 10 minutes later, there was a big explosion outside, and all the power went out, didn't it? And we all went, fucking hell, that didn't take long, did it? You know? She's only been gone 10 minutes. But anyway, it was coincidental. It was an incredible coincidence. But one of the things that came from it is a friend of mine said that... Um, a drone had been flown into a power transformer, and that's what it was. That's what had knocked the power out. So that's one drone. No, no, someone from around here. Yeah. Flew it into the power. So, you know, if we haven't got fertiliser and bombs and shit like that, we have to use technology. Anyway, that's me. And we just had an article written about us saying that we promote violence. <laughs> Again, uh, Actually, in all honesty, this, and this doesn't represent countless, but it represents me personally. I'm all for extreme fucking violence when these pricks are coming after us and our kids. So that's like, that's self-defence, right? So people, I guess there's a difference between self-defence and... Yep. Um, and violating someone else's... Um, you have, the, you have the absolute right to self-defence and the defence of those who cannot defend to themselves. to creating something violent okay. or self-defending your freedoms from being violated. Our Prime Minister has recently... Yeah, can, do you want to come up on the mic? Yeah. Okay. You're about here? Yeah. Our Prime Minister has recently signed um, a treaty with the... Um, uh, the World Who the World Health Organization has anybody heard about that? Yeah. Okay. So the scenario that I anticipate here is that if there is another pandemic, right? Um, Tedros uh, Adamom, who is the head of the World Health Organization, is. Um, uh, he could dictate the terms in our country. We could have the United Nations troops on our streets, right? And um, what are we going to do now? I mean, we could... Actually, I, I anticipate that we could... 
um, you know, the, we could make appeals to the army, you know, um, get as many of them on our side as possible. I don't know, I could be wrong. But this is the situation that we are dealing with. Um, if you go on to online, you go on to Amazing Polly, and you can get the lowdown on um, Tedros, Tedros Adamom. Uh, he's from Ethiopia, and um, yeah, he's a really, well, he was a terrorist. Okay. So this is what we're dealing, this is what I anticipate that could happen. I hope it, do well, I hope it doesn't, but yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the opposite is also true, that we are such a small country that if any country can do it, New Zealand can do it. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. Um, unity. Yeah, so... so Actually, before you go Can on. I just answer? Because unity, as we all know, like, is... It's kind of this artificial idea, right? It's an idea. It, we are all in a minority of one, okay? They want you to constantly get into group think so that you hand over your rights to the group. This is the this is the uh, mind virus that we're up against because they don't want you to have individual rights and be an individual. But if all the individuals who think like you and want to act like you form a group, that is when we are strong and that is what they don't want. So you have to work with people inside your community that you can work with because let's face it, personality clashes happen all the time. Like let's not live in a dream Even world. here on the front, mics. <laughs> So for two people just to get along, it's a massive ask. So to expect the whole freedom movement in New Zealand to get along, we just, it's, it's never going to happen, let's be realistic. But you guys have a community here. Your guys' families and friends, you guys can act in unity in certain ways. Uh, but, and together we're all moving in the same direction. So we can collaborate. I think that's kind of the idea, isn't it? That we don't put each other down, I suppose. You know, that we try and lift each other up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, that, this ego thing with humans as well, <coughs> that needs, you need to... Do you want to jump on the mic? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the people at home won't be able to hear you, so they won't be able to hear you. So if you've got... The people at home who are going to be... This goes worldwide, by the way, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pre-recorded at the moment. It's not going out live. Okay, do you all, guys all want to hear from one or two more? That, that's totally taken me out. <laughs> okay, Calvin, do you want to wrap up uh, with well, some just, final words? You just basically said everything I was going to say about unity being a fallacy. It's never happened and it never will. And like she said, you can only go with like-minded people, those who gravitate towards together, push together. Um, those who won't, won't. You're always going to have a percentage of the population who are nothing but more than mindless minions who bow and scrape and will do whatever someone else tells them. Why? Because we want someone else to solve our problems. We want someone else to take care of us. We want someone else to blame when something goes wrong. That's our problem. Because that's how we've been taught. They want us dependent on the state. Someone else is problem not ours. 
And as for ego, you damn well need ego to get through the crap. Over ego is different. But you definitely need ego. It's, it's a self-belief that you can actually change things. Otherwise, we might as well pack up now and piss off. So if anyone tells you people have ego problems, I disagree. They've got overestimation of their own um, abilities problem. No one knows how to stay in their lane. Like me, I'm bred for war. That's, that's me. Others are bred to fix people as we send them to them. You know? And others uh, uh, supply the wherewithal in order for those people to carry out what they're going to do. It's an ecosystem. At the moment, you used to be think you're free-range humans, and now, of course, they want you as battery farm humans. You are the juice that powers their machine. Without supplying that, they're never going to go another cycle. I'm all for drawing that line in the sand and shooting the bastards if they cross it. And I don't care if this goes out. I've been trying to get arrested over this for a fucking long time <laughs> because I have the facts and evidence and I can stand my ground on it and I can show that they're a murderous bunch of pricks. And I don't care what the trolls say. I don't care what the government says. I certainly don't care what the alphabet agency super people say. I know this, these guys' playbook and it is not a good one. They would send people like me after people like me. So I know what's coming if we don't do something. So hit back hard. Now, now I personally, just before you carry on, I'd personally rather see you a big station owner, 13, 15,000 hectares or whatever. Declare your own country. Put your own constitution in. Let people be free to do what they want. As long as they don't cause harm. That's the whole basis of everything. Mutual beneficial society. And defend your borders. The guns should be facing outside, not in at your own people. There's the problem. And if you're worried about the people inside, you should let the pricks in to start with. Where's your vetting processes? So, like I said, that's what I'm all for. I'm, I'm all for fighting these, these people because I'm headed a gutsful. We have seen so much carnage as we travel around this country that's not been acknowledged by mainstream. People like Hannah getting her, um, getting attacked by people like Michael Law's been called conspiracy theory and that the prick won't even look at the evidence. You know, I'm sick of people saying, go and do your research. The research is done. Read it. Yeah. It's there. Pfizer's own documents are convicting them. But the government still says, safe and effective. You keep jabbing yourself, silly. You are the hardware, that's a software upgrade, and you are being changed. So that's why we're doing what we do. And that's why we will not prostitute ourselves by taking big, large donors that we've been offered, but they wanted editorial control of what we do. And we said stuff, you will rather walk than um, go to that. <laughs> Sorry for my rant, just, you know, it's me. You're going to make me cry, Kelvin. Yeah. Um, That's good, you can't be bored out. <laughs> never. Did you have a question? Uh, I haven't got a question, I've got something I'd like to say. Okay. And then, um, are you still alright with that? Because then it's, it's just gone past four And now Jim Hinton so. for round two. Bing, bing. Well, gee, there's, there's so much that uh, I could say and so much that everybody else could say. Uh, there's a lot of gloom and doom out there. But look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an old man now. I was born in 1949, so you can work out how old I am if you're good at mental arithmetic. But look, there's some real heroes out there. 
Uh, I found them on, on my phone or my computer. Uh, we got a couple. <laughs> Everybody in this room's a hero. Uh, w one of the heroes I found is a, is a guy in Australia called Ricardo Bossi, who the, the sort of one nation guy. And uh, what he says, if you want to know who's going to do this, uh, look in the mirror, because that's who's going to stop this. So that's going to who's going to do it. So it starts with yourself. Uh, yeah, and uh, Hannah and uh, Hannah and uh, Calvin. Yeah, look, I've only discovered them about six months ago. Uh, they're real heroes too. So there's big heroes and little heroes, and it doesn't matter whether you're a big hero or a little hero. Uh, we're going to win this. And all I can say is, if if uh, Hans Schwab and <coughs> and uh, uh, Bill Gates and, and, and all these fellas in, 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 uh, in the globalist group that want to sort of amalgamate everybody into one big, one big uh, global government. Uh, my personal opinion is that they haven't got a dog show because it's localism now, and uh, and this is a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm still an optimist, guys. I still think uh, we're going to win this and uh, the sun's going to shine and uh, I'm certainly not a doom and gloomer. Uh, if, okay, I've got to ask the question. Got to ask the question, what are we doing? It's your platform. What are we doing when the tour finishes? Are we going to... Are we going to roll Very out? Very with her, by the way. <laughs> are we going to crawl into a cave and go to sleep and wallow in our misery? Or are we going to... Buy the bus from the people that have loaned it to us. Carry on going to the regions and telling your guys' stories. Yeah. 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 Okay. Be home by no. Okay. We need a rest. We do need a rest. Nelson, tomorrow is our last one. We've had 26 of these events. Uh, some of them had, have had well over 300 people. Uh, this been, it's just been massive. So uh, we don't have um, a base. So we kind of don't really know what to do after this. And we certainly know we need to have a rest. Dust but, off the muskets. And we want to get back to going to do two uh, shows a week. And I think, you know, like many of you have said, there's so many amazing um, orators, researchers, presenters from overseas, America, Australia, all around the world. But we need to get New Zealand stories out because the mainstream media isn't doing it here in New Zealand. So think of the stories in your community. And I think, in my opinion, we should um, go to the different regions and spend two or three weeks in each region and really continuing to um, cover the vaccine injury stories but also any other um, stories in your community of corruption, the council, 1080, whatever the stories are, and we actually get the pictures, have you on camera and showing that because um, who else is going to do it at this point? Let's face it. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Maybe you can stay for a pizza or some chips if you guys are still doing pizzas and chips. I think um, it'd be great if we could um, give these people some more of our uh, support. Kevin, have you got anything else? No, it looks like you're deciding for me, eh? <laughs> well, you don't have to come. <laughs> don't want to take these off so you can wear them. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I don't have to. You could just host in the studio somewhere. You could just we could create a little bunker for you. A little what is that? A moo moo. I'm not a bunker boy. What, I'm do, you, a what do you call a mow mow? What is it for the um? 
A mai mai. A mai mai. I just, I just went duck shooting for the first time, so I'm just learning about these things. Yeah. But not from a mai mai. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, we can set that up for you. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. <laughs> okay, so unless there's anyone else with a burning comment, uh, I think we will... Th- yeah, yes? Okay, just one comment. Like, uh, can you come up to the mic? Okay. Brilliant. No, this is only, uh, uh, yeah, this is only a, a short one. Like we're talking about common law, we're talking about um, everything else that the politicians are doing, and all that. In what part of New Zealand law does, in what part of New Zealand law does it say about treason? You know, how far can we go with that? I, it's just an idea um, because it is treasonous. It is against the people. Um, the whoever the head chief of the army insisting on the um, the jab for the the crew. We know what's happening. These things here. That's deliberately de- um, inhibiting our defence. So therefore, it is treasonous. You know, like so. Uh, just, just, uh, just an idea to think about on how another little wedge for the government. Well, if you remember, when they brought the mandates and they had everyone complain first, using the police and that to um, suppress any dissent, and once the people were brainwashed and they were starting to come along, only a few rebels like us sort of starting to speak out, then they started attacking the police and military. Thankfully, they won their job, but it didn't matter. The higher-ups still continued to tell them they had to be jabbed. So it doesn't matter. And um, like I said, it's the good cops and the good military personnel that have to rise up and take their leaders out, completely out of the picture, and stop their influence. And until that happens, well, that's their fight. Our fight's out here. Well, I honestly believe there will be a Royal Commission of Inquiry, and I do believe that everything is going to come out. And, um, yeah, I believe that those people who have done this will be held accountable uh, so it's just making sure that all the communities are resilient because you guys this is the other thing we haven't really talked too much about you guys are going to be the ones that are going to have to be the support people when all the ones that are not woken up at the moment when they wake up it's gonna be a whole lot of people very very soon that are going to get the brutal truth <laughs> and um, you guys have to make sure you're in a position where you're emotionally and psychologically able to be their support people because there's a lot of mental illness out there already, and when the real truth gets exposed on mainstream, well, unless we became mainstream, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen in a hurry. But um, gonna they're going to need you guys, and you guys are going to have to be there for you. Okay, hurry up. One more question. Not a question. Oh. Something quite positive. Oh, I um, uh, uh, I'm not a um, kind of very intellectual person. I'm more into practical ideas and solutions. So we in our community started some wonderful gardening groups within walking distance as much as we can. And we work in each other's gardens and we talk about how we save seeds, how we um, can supply, uh, uh, help each other with food stocks, food supplies. So we got a wonderful um, collection of people with talents and, and things out there. So we're doing it. Where we're meeting, we're helping each other in each other's gardens and all that. So that feels really good to know where our support teams are when maybe some things will happen. So, you know, 
So that's all there, yeah. That's all I want to say. And, you know, I, I've been a bit isolating too, and, and, and this whole thing with Wellington and Marston Point and all these wonderful um, counterspin and all these individuals out there have inspired me again to go out and, and mingle, basically, and not sit at home and do my own thing because I've always been growing vegetables, which keeps, you know, I really enjoy, but, you know, to realise we're not an island, we have to pull together. Yeah, so thanks. Awesome. Okay, thanks again to Emma and Shane, and thanks to all of our speakers, and uh, thanks to all of you for coming. So let's give everybody a massive round of applause. And our team, because our team is like, we're crawling to the finish line, we've got one more to go, so give our massive team a massive round of applause. And of course, comesfrommedia.com, so you can check out our previous episodes of which we've been telling this from the start what was happening. I'll be called it every step of the way. And my uh, insistence that this isn't going to go without some sort of skirmish, I guarantee is going to be bang on. Well, on that cheery note, stay for a drink and buy a pizza. It's a solution. Cheers, guys. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network at band.video.